We're coming. We're coming. This won't be the last time. That time of the week, College Gridiron, back and better than ever. Had to drop some Eddie O content because we were sorely deficient in that department last week, but lo and behold, we have rectified the situation and order has been restored. Thank goodness. I was really concerned that we weren't going to be able to get Eddie O into the show, and here we are. So really, really happy to, to have him debut, and probably the most meaningless game of the year for LSU this weekend. I mean, I think if they lose by 30, they're still in the college football playoff. That's something the committee's probably rooting for, actually. Maybe not lose by 30, but certainly a Georgia win. It would clear up everything. But a lot to discuss in terms of who's in, who's out, and some pretty big matchups with some pretty big implications this weekend. We will talk about all of that. Utah, Oklahoma, who gets that fourth spot if Georgia were to lose. But first, part of the reason why we are having this conversation is because of the Iron Bowl last week. Alabama, Auburn, as always, did not disappoint. And it came down to an Alabama kicker, as we have seen in the past. Um, Alabama kicker is very dependable in these big spots, uh, or not. <laughs> and <laughs> let's just say it did not work out for them. Uh, with one of the loudest doinks you will ever hear in your life, a 30-yard kick was no good, and Alabama... For the first time in the playoff era, this will be the sixth year we are doing this, Alabama will be out. We have never said that before. Thought we were going to say that in 2017, but it did not come to fruition as they got the four seed and the rest is history. But Alabama off the strength, or rather weakness, of a missed field goal in the final seconds, final minutes I should say, out of the playoff and... I think it was really a shocking result, but also credit to Auburn um, because they played a wonderful game. Uh, their wide receivers were unbelievable in that game. Uh, some of the catches they made for Bonex were incredible. But Alabama out of the playoff, and now you got to have some questions about Alabama because this is kind of the shakiest they've looked in a while. And you know we've talked about it in the past about you know Alabama getting out coached, and we haven't really said that. I think Nick Saban got outcoached again on Saturday, and I think this is a legitimate concern for Alabama fans for the future of their team as they move on is, is Nick Saban like as good as he once was? I think he probably still is, but we've seen a couple of times this year. First it was LSU, now it was Auburn, or Alabama got outcoached. That's a credit to the opponent, but it's also a concern for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily as shocking a result, but it's a shocking result in that the way that it happened, right? If you told me that Alabama was going to put up 45 points, I'm not saying they couldn't have lost. I picked Alabama, but I'm not saying they couldn't have lost to Auburn. Auburn's a very good football team with a very good defense in particular throughout this, the strength of this year. So if you told me that Alabama, with, with their backup quarterback, Mac Jones, was going to put up 45 points, then I would have been surprised that they lost. But their defense was awful. Yeah, terrible. It was awful. And, yes, there were a couple turnovers and a miscue. Uh, I think it were two, there were two defensive touchdowns, right? But that defense, just whatever freshman Bo Nix wanted to do with that offense in that running game, they were really able to accomplish. And Alabama didn't have much of an answer, which was really the most concerning thing because – Nick Saban, historically, with those defenses, just eats up freshman quarterbacks. Freshmen don't beat Nick Saban in the Iron Bowl. It just doesn't happen. But credit to Auburn. They played really well. Their defense made plays when they needed them to. 
and I, I would agree with you. They definitely outcoached Nick Saban in Alabama, and it's really concerning because I think it's – I saw a stat on, on CBS's broadcast as the game ended. I think Alabama is 0-7 at Auburn when both teams are ranked. Yes, that sounds right. That's that's surprising. That is very surprising. So, yes, Auburn has not been at Alabama's level in some years, and those are the years that you beat up on them, whatever. But when the two teams are good, Nick Saban and Alabama haven't won that game on the road. Yeah. And and even at Brian Denny, I mean, we saw yeah. the Iron Bowl in, was it 2014, where Auburn hung with them, and that was the year that Alabama had Blake Sims, and they went to the, the semis of the college football playoff and didn't get the win, but – yeah, I mean, it is concerning, and, and we've seen this for a while. I'm going to do a little uh, blind resume thing because this is fun. Don't look at the computer. Um, we're going to go Team A, which, um, by the way, did not win any games against teams that are currently in the top 25, if I'm reading this correctly, and they lost to two teams in the top 25. The other team, and again, don't look because this is the big computer, and you can see it. I'm not here. looking. I'm okay. staring at the wall. <laughs> the other team has played several ranked teams over the course of their season, and they went 2-2. Two and two. So they have two top 25 wins, two top 25 losses. Team A is 0-2. Tell me who Team A and Team B are. You can probably guess who one of them is. I know Team A is Alabama. That's correct. Team B, who's 2-2 two and two against teams in the top 25. Michigan? You're close. Notre Dame. Oh. Notre Dame has more top 25 wins than Alabama and the same record. That's incredible. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Because Alabama has not played. Well, they've played teams. They just haven't beaten anybody. I mean, their best yeah. win on their schedule is Texas A&M, probably, I think. 7-5. and five. Yeah. Or Tennessee. Tennessee 7-5, and five, too. <laughs> which, by the way, Tennessee and Texas finishing with the same record. Very funny. <laughs> but <laughs> we all had that at We'll the save that the for another conversation. But, yeah, that's <laughs> especially the way things started for Tennessee. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable the way that this season has transpired for Alabama, right? And they just it's it's difficult to see for them. It's tough to swallow, but they just they they didn't have it. And yeah. uh and and Auburn again, credit to them for for sticking it out and playing the way they did, but this this Alabama team is in what wasn't really good. Now the only the only thing I will say is that they are playing a lot of young players. They yeah. have a very young team, and with a backup quarterback and all the things and pieces and stuff that went on with that team, pump the brakes on. It's over. Oh yeah, I'm never gonna say that. But I think that the field has certainly caught up to what Nick Saban has been doing. I think that he's at less of a recruiting advantage than he was in years previous and I think that there are some really good programs namely Ohio State LSU that's caught up we'll we'll just look at the top four right LSU and Georgia those those two programs really stepping it up haven't helped Nick Saban but how about Ohio State and Clemson I mean those are two schools that are just recruiting the lights out here and when you have two teams that are in your conference who are recruiting really well you might even throw Auburn and Florida into that conversation as well, it becomes really difficult. And I think that the field is catching up to Nick Saban. They are no longer getting that type of player, in particular defensively. I think it is also just a different type of game than Nick Saban is accustomed to and a different type of game than he really wants to play. 
because college football is so offense-centered. And it is spread. It is you're going to score. You're going to win games 48-45. And that's just not what Nick Saban has been about. And he is, quite frankly, fighting it tooth and nail even the last couple of years, playing the better defense. And, yes, Tua was probably the, the mark shift in that whole thing, right, because he was the first time that Saban really had a quarterback and an offense that was productive in that way. But with the staff turnover and the type of, of football that he wants to play, I think it's becoming increasingly difficult to to navigate this new age of college football. And I'm not going to say that the game has passed him by because it certainly hasn't, but it's, it is – much more different than the game that he grew up on and much more different than the game that he was coaching even five, six years ago. And as funny as it sounds, the NFL, with the way it had been trending, with the way some of the teams that are having success right now, that's more the game that I think he's used to coaching than the college game is right now. Yeah, and he, he was an NFL coach for a couple of years and, and obviously remember you know, in 2006 him saying, I'm not going to Alabama, I'm not going to Alabama, and then he was on a plane to go to Alabama for the mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins. So um, Alabama out of the picture, um, and if you're asking for Saban to evolve – um, I don't think he's going to, so quit, quit asking. asking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's look. Maybe at- <laughs> we'll have Maria Taylor go ask him if he's yeah. going to ball. <laughs> no, let's not do that. Um, so let's look at these college football playoff rankings because these are always fun. Um, I think there are three teams in here who are probably locks in the top four to make the playoff. Um, you've got Ohio State at one. They're playing in the Big Ten title game against Wisconsin. Uh, on Saturday night, Ohio State, excuse me, Wisconsin, worth noting, uh, highest-ranked two-loss team, above Florida, above Penn State, above Alabama, um, which I thought was a little surprising, but Wisconsin has played a really tough schedule, so that does make some sense. Um, I think even if Ohio State loses that game, they're probably in. I don't see the path forward for Wisconsin again in the playoff, but I think 12-1 and Ohio State, regular season Big Ten champs, they get in. Number two, you've got LSU. I think they're in as well. They're undefeated. Even if they lose to Georgia, I think they, they still, I don't want to say they have to get in, but they will. Number three is Clemson. They're playing Virginia on Saturday. Good luck to Virginia, by the way. 29-point <laughs> underdogs. I, I mean, I guess hypothetically, if they lost, would they be out? Do yeah, they'd have to be. I think so. I mean, but they'd still be twelve and well, they wouldn't be a conference champion. I don't know. The, the problem, I still think Clemson of the one loss teams then would would be of right because you you I don't know who knows with the committee. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that Ohio State would be there, LSU would be there if Clemson were to lose. Let's not entertain this. They're they're twenty nine point favorites, but I that's incredible. I, I still think that they would probably you'd have to give them a shot. They might be in anyway. But here's the thing too: if Clemson loses. What are you going to do? Put Utah at three and Oklahoma at four? If Georgia were to lose two, yeah, that's that's the dilemma you're facing. Right, and then you've got the potential for two bloodbath semifinals between LSU and <laughs> Utah, I guess, and then OSU and Oklahoma, because I don't think either of those games would be close. Um, you don't think? I don't know. <laughs> we might have a couple more thirty-point spreads. It is it is games. worth noting that in the history of the playoff, we've had I think twelve semifinal games. There've only been like two really good ones. The rest of them have kind of been garbage. Yeah. Like the, the semifinals are usually not competitive. Like last year it was bad. 2017 you had the Rose Bowl with uh Georgia and uh Oklahoma. That one was excellent. That's that probably was excellent. the last one. That... Uh and then the other, the only other good really good one that I could think of was the, the Ohio State Bama Sugar Bowl the first year. Mm-hmm. Other than that all the semifinals have been garbage. But even that one 
got ugly at the end, just yeah, not with, in the way you would have expected. <laughs> yeah. With, I, with Cardale Jones. The whole state of Ohio was counting, was counting on, on Cardale, Cardale Jones, Jones. And, and he delivered. But, yeah, no, that's that's one of the things we were talking about earlier. It's You're kind of like rearranging the chairs on the Titanic yeah. right now because you don't want to sound doom and gloom, but let's let's be candid here. You know, assuming Georgia loses, you're talking about Utah, Oklahoma, or Baylor for the last spot, right? Um, dependent on who wins the Big 12 title game, Oklahoma and Baylor, one of them's going to be eliminated. And then the conversation shifts to really, in my estimation, I don't know how the committee can make a flip after this week, or I, I don't know. But I would think that then Utah would be in unless they were to lose to Oregon. That's sort of the the sense that I'm getting unless Oklahoma really went out there and stuck it to Baylor if Baylor beat Oklahoma even I don't know that that would be enough Uh, who knows but any of these teams Utah Oklahoma Baylor none of them are beating Ohio State and none of them are going to be close I think that Oklahoma could be the closest I think they could keep it within maybe two touchdowns but it's it's almost you're you're kind of wasting your time arguing because no matter who it is Ohio State's going to stomp them and that's yeah. that's just that's what it is yeah and i think the nightmare scenario for the committee this week is utah and utah's playing on friday night utah's playing oregon in the pac-12 title game the nightmare scenario is lsu utah oklahoma all win because george is out now you're choosing between utah and oklahoma um if you're talking about brand name cachet they they're gonna wanna if, if they really care about brand names and driving up ratings they want to keep Utah as far away from this as possible and that's mm-hmm. I hate to to say that about Utah but they just don't move the needle the way Oklahoma does nationally um, so they will look I think for any way to put like a team like Oklahoma in over Utah what they're hoping for is that this works itself out where like you said before I don't know if you said it after we started the podcast or, or before. If Georgia beats LSU, all of this is taken care of. Because that's that's yeah. the scenario that they're hoping for. You you like you Georgia said, Georgia bumps yeah. up to three, LSU goes to four, Clemson's at two, Ohio State's at one. And also, and yeah, and also I think that makes the semifinal games better mm-hmm. because Clemson, Georgia, I'll sign up for that right now. Uh, and Ohio State, LSU, I would do the same because I think both of those games. Because I be think really that's good. your odds on national. Well, I don't know. Uh, Clemson still is a force to be reckoned with, and, and I won't dismiss that my national title pick before the year. Uh, but I, I was, my, mine's out of the picture. By the way, I picked Bama. <laughs> right <laughs> I have now, Bama and Michigan. Right now, initially, well. you would think that it's going to be Ohio State, LSU. The only chance that it would have to be any differently you would think would be if things stay the same Clemson and Ohio State with Clemson having a chance to beat LSU a good one I mean again those are two really good teams but yeah no I I think that's the best scenario for them because then you got four teams in there that are good that draw ratings everything else and there's really no conversation because those teams are good enough so that's that's what you're hoping for and I really don't expect that that's what's going to happen. It's fascinating to me, too, because I think, I mean, LSU obviously is dictating a lot of this um, because they can kind of pick and choose what happens here to an extent. Like, they beat Georgia. They're going to be at least two, if not one, in the rankings. And they'll play, obviously, I think they'd rather play whoever the four seed is than Clemson. Um, I don't think Clemson is as good as last year, but I do think, like, you still don't want to play them. Like you could, you could say whatever you want about Clemson's schedule and how, like early in the year, they didn't look as good. And I get that. You don't, you don't want to play Clemson. You don't want that smoke. Like no, no. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is still one of the best quarterbacks in the country. 
uh, ETN is still one of the best running backs in the country, and they've still got one of the best defenses in the country. You don't want to play that. I, I don't care like wh- where else they might be down. Um, but I do think that you know LSU. I think showed us last week, and that that was a game they didn't didn't necessarily, other than keeping the twelve and zero record and basically having this game as insurance didn't maybe necessarily have as much to play for. They showed out against A&M. That defense looked incredible, um, and that's a talented A&M offense. Granted, they haven't always shown it this year, mm-hmm. but LSU looked really good in that game. And I, and I think if their defense plays more like that, I, I would I would put it down for them to win the national title like right now because I think if their defense is kind of the missing link there where, yeah, they've outscored plenty of teams this year. I mean – even a game like Ole Miss, they gave up a ton of points. They scored 58. Alabama, they gave up 41, and they won. Um, but the last couple of weeks, they gave up 20 to Arkansas. <laughs> As Coach O says, <laughs> Arkansas has not beaten anybody in a long time. But you give up 7 to A&M, you beat them by 43. Yeah, it's, a, it's an A&M team that's a little down, but they've got talent. And, and that, to me, was really impressive. And I'm going to keep banging the drum for LSU. It's the best team in the country. I, I would take them to beat Ohio State right now. Their defense looked really good. I was really impressed with how Coach O and his team came out for that game. Um, and to me, I think they they look the part right now. Um, so I would take them. And I think they're going to beat Georgia this weekend. Uh, I also think that's going to happen. I picked two SEC teams before the season, but I, th- I think LSU is just playing better right now. And I, I don't worry about the motivation from them because um, Ed Orgeron has consistently all year avoided that letdown. I mean, yes, there have been some games they've they've played better than others. But there hasn't been the letdown, right? And Ohio State has not had the letdown either. But I think LSU is going to come to play this weekend, despite the fact that they're probably in no matter what. I think they're going to knock out Georgia, and I think they're going to go get the win. I agree with you because Georgia has, while being pretty good this year, shown in spots in particular on offense to be not so great. Yeah, They've struggled, which is kind of surprising, right? Jake Fromm was getting some conversation about potentially being a first-round NFL draft pick. Is he going to leave early? Whatever. And I, I don't think that conversation is there anymore because he really hasn't played well, and that offense hasn't been great. So I think that plays in the LSU's advantage, right, because their offense isn't going well. It'll help their defense. And granted, you know, yeah, it can work both ways. You might have some opportunity on, on offense for Georgia to, to work some things out as well. But I think at the end of the day, LSU's defense in particular against a, a weaker Georgia offense is going to have enough. And I don't really care what you put out there defensively right now because Joe Burrow and that offense and Joe Brady are just too good. Yeah. And I, I don't think that anyone can sit here and realistically say, oh, yeah, Georgia's really going to hold down this LSU offense. And if you can't do that, I, I think that LSU, and in particular with that matchup against Georgia's offense – I don't think there there's any way they're losing this game. By the way, I, I it just popped back into my mind. The storylines of Joe Burrow plays Ohio State for a national championship yeah. are going to be unbelievable. To think about that quarterback room at one time being Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, Cardell Jones, and Joe Burrow, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, you you don't see things like that. And Joe Burrow's probably going to win the Heisman unless he really screws it up here. Um, and he's he's played his best ball, I think, in November. I mean, he's been above 300 yards every game. Um, he he doesn't turn it over. Like he's unbelievably good this year. And then that's a credit to the offense and Joe Brady, and, and also, like you said, the point with Nick Saban. I think Ed Orgeron has to get some credit because this is an LSU team. The last couple of years, they were playing like Michigan. They I formation. We're gonna run the ball, uh, three yards in a cloud of dust type of thing. 
and they're not doing that now. They've evolved, they've spread it out, and I think a coach like Ed Orgeron deserves a lot of credit for that because that's where coaches like Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh have not adjusted to make that change, whereas LSU said, okay, this is what we need to do to start beating some of these top teams. They did that this year, and now they've been able to, to beat all the top teams, and now they're 12-0 and and, and going to go to the playoff. And granted, we may not be having this conversation if Tua doesn't get hurt. So sure. in fairness there, I, I think that Alabama has – in a lot of ways adapted it's just that their defense in terms of, of quite frankly the horses at this time because I think they'll get there again young players um at this time are just not not where they need to be to to make enough plays on the defensive side of the ball but yeah no absolutely credit to Ed Orgeron who who empowered Joe Brady who said you know what we're gonna go and we're gonna do something that's a little bit unorthodox we're gonna go to the NFL we like what we're seeing out of Joe Brady a guy who's relatively inexperienced although you know Sean Payton uh, had a ringing endorsement of him, right? But he he hasn't called plays. He hasn't done anything. And this guy, you know, w- was handed the keys of an LSU offense for you know a team that with Ed Orgeron hadn't been doing uh, a lot and and hadn't been making a lot of noise recently. I mean, it's not ridiculous to say that if this season had gone a certain way, that Ed Orgeron wouldn't be you know on the hot seat or potentially on the out. I mean, this was a big year for them. And for him to have the trust and to go out and, and you know adapt and do something that was different, unorthodox in Joe Brady and the and the success, the wild success that it's have is really has had it is really impressive, and and a lot of credit to Ed Orgeron because he his his job was on the line. I mean, that's that's the reality of the business and the reality of where they were because the results hadn't been there the last couple of years to where LSU wanted to get to. And man, oh man, Joe Brady has made all the difference with that offense. Joe Burrow taken off, and and they are hands down the top, you know, one of the top two teams in the country, and I think are a legitimate national title contender. And it's so funny to think that like three years ago, Ed Orgeron takes over the job on an interim basis first, and then they give him the full time job, and everybody laughed because Tom Herman was out there and you know you name whoever else uh, you know Chip Kelly had gotten was going to get fired by the 49ers at the end of that year and he they gave it to Ed Orgeron and people thought oh there's no way this works and honestly 2017 not a great year for them 2018 better year and they went to the Fiesta Bowl take that with a grain of salt and like you said I mean this this is a big year Joe Burrow's gone after this year like they've got some talented guys gone after this year and they came in, and they ripped it up. And Joe Burrow, fascinating stat to me. Out of 12 games, he's had one under 300 yards, and it was the Florida game where he went 21 of 24 for 293 and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And that might have been his best game of the season. So, I I mean, I it, the, the job they have done, if you watched Joe Burrow last year and said, that guy's going to win the Heisman Trophy next year, I would have laughed in your face. And that's not an affront to Joe Burrow. It's just the style of offense they were playing was not conducive to him putting up those huge numbers. And yet, you look at him this year, and, I mean, he he is the king of college football right now. And that's a credit to LSU. That's a credit to the job they've done. And LSU, to me, right now, best team in the country. I'd pick them to win the national title right now. Um, let's look around the rest of these more important games. Let's look at Baylor, Oklahoma now. Um, how much importance this game has 
Honestly, depends on some of the other games. Oklahoma comes in almost a double-digit favorite. This is a great uh, game the first time these two teams played. Oklahoma won it by three. Baylor was up 28-3, and we know how that goes with those <laughs> numbers. Um, and Baylor blew that game, and Oklahoma was able to come back and get the win. It was a credit to them. And now they find themselves both needing a little help, needing to win this game. And, again, Oklahoma comes in as the favorite. Jalen Hurts. Had a great regular season. A big win for Oklahoma last week, beating Oklahoma State in Bedlam. Uh, Baylor, granted, coming in at 11-1, but not really any big wins on their resume. The only really great team they played this year was Oklahoma, and they lost. Uh, Texas does not count. Kansas does not count. I'm sorry. Um, so, Baylor-Oklahoma, where we think it going into this game, and if there is some kind of nuclear scenario, and Baylor wins this game and they get a little help, Baylor could get in. Yeah, they could, but I don't think they're going to win. Okay. <laughs> I, re I really don't. And I think that, look, Baylor's the, – the best quality about Baylor's team is, has been their defense this year. Their offense has been good, but their defense, especially for a team in the Big 12, has really carried them. They've played better defense than most of the teams in their conference. And they gave Oklahoma some problems, right? They held them to 34, and I think it was three at the end of the first half a couple of weeks ago. So this is a, a defense that can play well. But – a second time around for Lincoln Riley is not something that spells success for any defense. It was difficult enough the first time. They made the adjustments at halftime, and they were able to do that that quickly. I just don't see any way that Baylor, who's, again, been, been good. Credit to them. They've, they've had a good year, and Matt Rule getting NFL head coaching. You know, there's NFL coaching conversation around him, and he's done a great job at this program. But I just don't think that with Lincoln Riley a second time around, with the players that they have, with the defense that is improved uh, aside from one bad Saturday against Kansas State, I think Oklahoma is just too good. I think Jalen Hurts and that offense and that offensive line are just too good. And I really think that maybe a nine-point spread might be a little light because I think that Oklahoma is going to win this game by a couple touchdowns. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I'll go with Oklahoma. Um, quickly, let's look at Utah-Oregon. Um, this game – Means more to Utah than it does to Oregon, frankly. Uh, Utah needs a win, and then LSU win probably to get in the playoff. Friday night, um, this game's going to be close. Oregon's good. Utah's good. Going to be fun. Most relevant night for the Pac-12 in a while. And you better believe Larry Scott and that entire contingent is rooting for Utah on Friday night. But whether or not they get the win is a big question. I don't think this game's a lock by any means. Maybe maybe since Reggie Bush was there. I don't know if I'm allowed <laughs> to say his name or if he's been etched from history. Matchup predictor by ESPN, 51% in favor of Utah, 49 for Oregon. That's how close this game is. So two teams that have had some success. I like what Oregon's done. Utah's got a very good defense. I'm telling you, I feel like Oregon's going to win this game right. because I think that their offense is just that much better, and, and they're two defenses that are good. But I just – these things sometimes have a funny way of working themselves out, and I, I just have a funny feeling about Oregon. I think Justin Herbert, who's had an excellent year, I think continues to do that. Bad night for them against Arizona State. And that really derailed them. But they're a team that's played neck and neck with Auburn, a team that we saw beat Alabama o over the weekend. So I like what Oregon's done. I think Oregon, with the offense that has been so much better, right, 35 points a game, I, I like I like Oregon over Utah in a bit of an upset. I have a sneaking suspicion that's going to happen. I'm going to go with Utah. I like Utah's defense. 
Um, and, and I'd be interested in Utah in the playoff because um, I'd like to see their defense go up against LSU or Ohio State. Not that those games are going to be necessarily close, but I want to see their defense see if they can they they can hang in. Um, before we go here, we've spent a lot of time, probably too much time, on this podcast talking about Rutgers. Uh, <laughs> for, yeah, we're being honest. Greg Schiato is the coach of Rutgers with some intervention from New Jersey's governor. That's a true story. Uh, which, the state of Rutgers. <laughs> New Jersey is the only state, by the way, where the governor puts in a phone call to, like, get a coach to the state school. Yeah, I mean, like, that's wild. Yeah. I, it's it's really, at the end of the day, it's good for Rutgers, right? That's the hire that they wanted, and Greg Schiano is the perfect guy for the job. Now, how they almost screwed that up in the first place is really – I don't know what the word is for that. Interesting, surprising. No, it's probably not surprising. It's just it's shocking that they almost screwed that up. So at the end of the day, good for good for Rutgers. They get the guy who's, uh, you know, the right guy for the job. I just I don't know. I, I don't know how much success Greg Schiano can have in that capacity. Right, you're in the Big Ten, and that's a whole different animal than when he was there years ago in the Big East. And I don't know save for a couple of the top-level guys that we can laugh about talking about hypothetically, right, say Nick Saban or something like that, right? I don't know who can have success in this job. I just think it's really, really difficult, and we'll see. Uh, I think if there was anyone who was going to turn it around, Greg Schiano is at the top of the list. I just – this is – they are so bad, and in a conference that they really just don't belong in, this is as challenging a takeover – and as deserving of an eight-year contract of any job that anyone has ever been given. that that's It's going to be really difficult. I'm interested to see how he does. But good, great hire for Rutgers. I don't know if I would have taken it if I was Shiano. I mean, look, it also depends on how you measure success. Because if success is 7-5 and five in the Red Box Bowl, then great. Yeah. Good. Go, You go do that. Yeah, by the way, you know how many times Greg Shiano won the Big East when he was at Rutgers? None. None? None. He didn't. I mean, and that was the Big East. I mean, and, and they had some good teams. They had West Virginia and Syracuse and Pittsburgh, whatever. But still, that's the Big East. The Big Ten, I mean, you get to play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, depending on the years, Wisconsin, Minnesota is probably going to be a great program within the next couple of years, depending on you know what the crossover games are. Um, Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, but seven and five in the Red Box Bowl was better than yeah being fifty six yeah. point underdogs to Ohio State. Yeah, but if if you're counting on eleven and one and competing for Big Ten titles every year, no, it's no. just not it's just not going to happen. You can't. I don't. I don't think that's the expectation. You cannot. No one, recruit. No one reasonably thinks that he's going to win. Yeah. a Big Ten title. But then that's you ridiculous. go back to the problem of competition wise, they're just in the wrong conference. Right. I'm sorry. I mean, and by the way, Phil Murphy, um, who's the governor of my state, New Jersey. Uh, said, count us all in if we're going to be in the Big Ten to be competitive. It's important to our student-athletes. It's important to the Rutgers community. It's certainly important to the alums, and I think it is a point of New Jersey pride. We have been committed to that from moment one. There you go. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's debatable. Um, but, you know, maybe he, maybe he can run on that in the next cycle. I don't know. <sighs> but uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's wild. But anyway, um, before we go, uh, do we think Virginia is covering the 29th? No, I, I uh, no, I don't think so. I think Clemson goes out and really, really wins it big. I'm, I'm Clemson minus twenty nine. Like it, I love it. 
You know what? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, but it'll, it'll be like 28. It's not going to be a close game. But I, I, no. I can see it being like a late touchdown with like the second and third stringers in for Clemson. Uh, yeah, I'll go with yes. No, they're not covering. All right. Well, it's been a good show as always. We, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week and a lot to unpack. And I'm sure we won't be mad at the committee at all because we never <laughs> are. Never. No, that, that never happens. It's never even a point of discussion. For Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week.